Hey, Mike here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Dark Poutine early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're about to listen to a historical episode of Dark Poutine. After episode 149, you will find Scott is no longer with the show. In an effort to maintain continuity and offer listeners as many episodes as possible, we are leaving the episodes in which he co-hosted intact. Thank you. Well, those loons sounded festive. Well, they're festive loons, that's why. Welcome to Dark Poutine. I'm Mike Brown, creator and host. With me as usual is my good friend and co-host, Scott Santa Claus Hemingway. Oh, I'm nowhere near Santa Claus levels. Well, you're sounding a little better this week than I you were I am sounding last. a little better, but I think that's going to disappoint a lot of the listeners. Yeah, because they were saying they liked your sexy, yeah, yeah. snotty voice. Yeah, I was going back to Urkel now. Yeah, we're going to... Have to change your name Screech. from Scott to Snot. Yeah. Exactly. The views, information, and opinions expressed during the Dark Poutine podcast are solely those of the producer and do not necessarily represent those of Curious Cast, its affiliate Global News, nor their parent company, Chorus Entertainment. Dark Poutine is not for the faint of heart or squeamish. Listener discretion is strongly advised. We're not experts on the topics we present, nor are we journalists. We're two ordinary Canadians chatting about crime and the dark side of history. Let's get to it. Put on your Santa hat, grab yourself an eggnog, and an Iowa bar. It's time to scarf down some dark poutine. Santa hat. That's, I mean, that's a good call. It's a good it's audible. It's very tukey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, literally. And you can have a double-double with an eggnog. Can you? Sure, you can have some eggnog. When does a t- double eggnog shot nonsense thing. At so are you an eggnog fan? One of those fan? coffee. Because it's, it's, it's a contentious topic. I do. I like eggnog. Me too. I love eggnog. Yeah, there you go. I always... Finally I, something we agree on. Yeah, right? I, <laughs> I always overestimate how much I like it, though, and I'll be like, yeah, eggnog, and I'll pour like a giant glass of it, and I'll get like one third through, and I'm like, no, I'm good. I feel sick to my toe. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's just so heavy. You're like, it's like you're drinking molasses. Or it. or the lactose takes charge, and then you've got to go twosies. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much in and out. <laughs> yep. Oh, boy. But I love, I love eggnog. 
Yeah, it is good. Yeah. So this is episode 105, and if you haven't gathered by our festive loons, uh, loons and the way we're speaking, it's our third holiday special. I can't believe this is our third one. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Well, I guess, thank you know, time, you know, when we started this show, but still. it came early, but it's still, it's still crazy that we've yeah, got... so it's more than two years. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. Behooving. Oh, God, that again. So our coverage of this particular case has been a long time coming. Yeah. Uh, we've been planning it since our first holiday special, actually. I remember. But only now do we feel ready to cover this harrowing case. It's uh, it's a pretty... It's a pretty heavy one, man. Like it this is, is heavy this for, isn't your your yeah. your fluffy no uh, you know little fun and game show. As it takes place in Los Angeles, though, this holiday episode will also yeah. be an away game. Yeah, yeah. So, which is good for the folks to recognize. Yeah, it's our first holiday away game. Yeah. On Christmas Eve in 1988, led by German-born criminal mastermind Hans Gruber, a band of well-organized gunmen armed to the teeth with high-tech weaponry violently took over the Nakatomi Plaza skyscraper. Mm. Yeah, I remember. Posing as terrorists, Gruber and his cronies attempted to rob the corporation of $640 million in bearer bonds stored in the vault in the vice chairman's suite on the 31st floor. That is a lot of money. It is a lot. Well, today it would be well over $2 billion. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. They might have gotten away with their heist were it not for the heroics of one man who took it upon himself to foil their plans. That man is the husband of Nakatomi executive Holly Gennaro and New York City police officer John McLean. Yeah, I I remember this case very well. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the Nakatomi Plaza incident. Yeah. It was in the news a, a lot for yep. for quite some time. There was a an inquest afterward. Yep. Yep. Um, to determine, you know, whether or not all the there was a lot of killing actually that went on. Well, yeah, exactly, and. How could this be prevented moving right. forward? You know, what, 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 what can went we wrong? Learn? What yeah. can we learn from these? There were kind, a yeah. lot of things that went wrong here, yeah. and so we'll we'll highlight some of those as we go on. Yeah, uh, the research for this episode comes from eyewitness accounts, including the hero himself, mm -hmm. Los Angeles police reports, and multiple news reports, as well as that inquest. The yeah. paper is probably seven hundred to eight hundred pages long. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. It actually seems shorter than what mm -hmm. I would think. Wow. Yeah. Okay. John McLean, the hero of this story, is a beat cop from New York. He and his wife, Holly, had been having marital troubles the months prior to Christmas. Oh, jeez. It was rumored he had a wandering eye and may have been disloyal to Holly at some point, and she was aware of his infidelities. Now, I'm not sure I could yeah, corroborate yeah. those things. I, I remember that being, being a very strong rumor. Yeah. 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 Holly had been working her way up the ranks at the Nakatomi corporation in New York. And after she was offered a position assisting Vice Chairman Takagi in Los Angeles, Holly pulled up stakes and brought the couple's two children, Lucy Six and John Jack Jr., out west with her. Holly was doing so well that Takagi had presented her with a gold Rolex as her Christmas bonus. Yeah, that's like a salary right there. Exactly. So you know she was doing well. Yeah. And she was proudly wearing this watch on the night of the party. Must have been really tough on John, though, being away from his kids and everybody. Well, yeah, for sure. And this is why he was coming to yeah. Los Angeles. He wanted to see the kids. Yeah. But he also had hopes of reconciling with Holly. I can understand. When you've got family and everything, mm -hmm. sure. And so he was invited to come to the Nakatomi Christmas party there 
uh, at the plaza on Christmas yep. Eve. Yeah. But he was late to the party. He'd been picked up at the airport and brought to the plaza by a limo driver named Argyle. Mm -hmm. And Argyle had been hired by the Nakatomi Corporation. And John explained what was going on between he and his wife as they were driving. Yeah. He wanted to surprise her with a limo ride home. So he asked Argyle, hey, can can you wait around? Yeah. And so Argyle decided he would do that. What, uh, Argyle's a pretty pretty damn good driver by the sounds of it. Very, very uh, willing to... Well, this was his first limo job. I remember hearing he was about... A, yeah, yeah, he was actually yeah. a cab driver before this, so... Yeah, this slipped um, my mind. I forgot. So Argyle decided he would wait in the parking garage below the building, yeah. and he'd listen to some loud music and chat with his girlfriend on the car phone. And he also discovered that uh, there was a mini bar in the backseat of the limo whoa, there, whoa. so he availed himself of some of the... The drinky poos. Well, I mean, you've got many an hour to wait. Right. I what mean, else are you going to do? You're in a limo. Exactly. L enjoy said limo. Yeah. And especially it's your first time. Whatever. Right. Who cares? Yeah. I, although you got to, I mean, drinking on the job, he could get himself in a lot of trouble. Well, he wasn't but... technically working. He was only hired to bring John there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, he still, was, he was doing a favor. It's I still think. a bold move, but uh, but I, I've got I've got Argyle's back. Yeah, he shouldn't have been drinking and driving, though. No. This is also a concern. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Nakatomi Plaza is an impressive steel and glass, 34-story, 493-foot skyscraper yep. in Century City in Los Angeles. And it's at 2121 Avenue of the Stars. Is that an actual street? That name? is, yeah. That, that is where it is. Hmm. It's the headquarters of the California division of Nakatomi Investment Group, a wealthy Japanese corporation with billions of dollars of assets and investments worldwide. Construction on the building commenced in 1985 and Nakatomi Plaza opened in 1987, mm -hmm. a year before the events it's most known for. A number of floors and a couple of the elevator shafts were still under construction when this incident took place. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is correct. Gruber's meticulous scouting of the Nakatomi Corporation's security system and building floor plans, utilizing a still unknown insider mm. and a skilled hacker, allowed him to plan the technical portion of the heist. So it is very much considered that Gruber had someone on the inside of the Nakatomi Corporation who was helping him out. Yeah, I always thought that person was found. They never found out who it they was. They never found out who it was. Jeez, you, that guy or girl must be counting their lucky maybe they, stars. Maybe they were there at the party that night. Nobody really knows. And probably living in the Bahamas now, just got the F out. Who know, Well, you would you would think anybody who just kind of disappeared afterward would be. I bet, I, yeah, I bet, I, but I bet you the police have an idea. But anyways, I, I yeah, digress. Evidence is tough. Yeah. Gruber chose the evening of December 24th as the target date for the heist as the building's highly trained security staff would be just a skeleton crew with mm. most of them on leave for mm -hmm. the holidays. That makes sense. And he was also well aware that Nakatomi corporate Christmas party was being held there on the 30th floor and that the employees who remained to celebrate would be caught off guard, full of alcohol and other forms of <laughs> holiday cheer. It was the 80s after all. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, so it's probably was coming out of, of the faucets. <laughs> a little bit of the 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 old uh, nose candy yeah. going on there. And I can, you know, I mean that uh, not trying to uh speak highly uh, of a terrible person, but Gruber did do his research. I mean, I could I see the logic in his Well, planning. he he actually was a member of a German 
freedom fighting group called the Volksfrey mm, for a time, mm, but he was kicked I out don't of know that. Of them, yeah. He, oh. was, he was kicked out of that group for being too violent. Well, well mm-hmm. I mean, look at what's happening. So, well, okay. this is this is much after he was booted out of that group. So, oh, really? I didn't realize mm-hmm. how much time had passed. Yeah. Just after 7 p.m. on Christmas Eve, security footage recovered at the scene shows a five-ton truck and a Mercedes sedan entering the courtyard of Nakatomi Plaza. Mm. The truck took the ramp into the parking garage as the Mercedes parked near the front of the building. Gruber and a group of heavily armed men piled out of the back of the truck in the parking garage, yeah, yeah. dragging guns and heavy wooden crates with them. I remember afterwards seeing footage of that. Mm-hmm. Security footage, and it was pretty terrifying. It is terrifying. You yeah. think, wow, these guys are really, they've come to uh, make a mess. Yeah, I mean, like coming out with guns, like you know that shit's yeah. going to go down. It's not like they kind of, well, let's just try to be on the sly. And, mm-hmm. you know, no, that was like a terrifying sight. The two men who were in the car quickly entered the front lobby mm. of the building, and they distracted and then killed the two security guards on the ground floor, securing the scene. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, these guys, they've got everything for you. They're just coming out. They're not here to negotiate. Pew, pew. Well, I, I, I thought you'd be a little more upset that two security guards have died. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, these guys are not, but they're just like... Yeah, like yeah, so. There's just, these it, two gentlemen who probably has families. Oh, have, it's, and it's Christmas Eve. Have been dispatched Eve. with on Christmas Eve. So, it, yeah. moving forward, their families are going to have to deal yeah. with the fact that their their what sons, sh- brothers, fathers had been murdered. What should be the most joyous time of the year exactly. is now marred exactly w- with this event and this complete disregard. Like you come in, yeah. and you kill absolutely. Gruber and some of the gunmen and the group's hacker, whose name was Theo, Mm -hmm. made their way to the 30th floor toward their target. Three others took crates to the upper unfinished mechanical floors of the building. One of the bad guys, dressed in a security officer's uniform, was installed at the guard desk to keep up appearances. Yeah, that makes sense. The bad guys all used CB radios to communicate between floors on the... uh, to communicate between the groups on the different floors. There was no um, cell phones at the time, so... Well, I mean, not not like we have now. You might have had a Motorola brick Mm -hmm. and whatnot back then, but no, nowhere near... This is much more sophisticated. Uh, This was as highly sophisticated as they could be... Absolutely. ...considering the technology that they had at the time. Yeah. It was pretty fascinating to... uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gruber and his group exited the elevator and began firing into the air, sending people diving under furniture and screaming in, in fright. Yeah, uh, this guy is just a piece of work. Can you eh? imagine like you're, just, just, you're just at your Christmas party and some dickhead, yeah. just, you know, a bunch yeah. of dickheads just burst in and start firing their weapon? You're just having some fun, dipping your nose in some candy, and yep. the next thing you know, like gunfire, fucking gunfire. Like, you, you can just see how terrible this Gruber guy is because he's not he's not coming in and giving people a chance no it's just yeah it's just, that that's your entry but that's the thing shooting. these guys want to get control right away so I, you I gotta it. freak people out as much as uh, as you you can this is what he's I'm sure what he's thinking this is how a psychopath would think sure totally yeah John McLean, who I mentioned was late for the party, he yeah. was changing for the party in another room, so a back office kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And he'd stripped down to his undershirt and he'd taken off his shoes and socks. Oh. 
When McLean overheard the automatic gunfire ensuing mayhem, he grabbed his service weapon, a Beretta 92F, out of his holster that he'd hung on a door nearby. Yeah, classic New York officer. Always got his weapon with him, ready well, to go. I have problems with that because I'm wondering how he brought his gun from New York. Apparently, he had it with him on the plane. It's, it was the 80s, Mike. Yeah, I guess it's I before 9 11. I so. could walk onto an airplane in the 80s with, with a sword and nobody would have given a hoot. Yeah. It, it's such. It's crazy to think that th- those those were times. But security's so tight now. Oh. You know, like this kind of thing. He had a weapon with him, which, you know, will come into play later on. But think about it, this happening now. Security is so tight. He wouldn't have that weapon with him. Mike, I can't bring a full container of gel on my airplane. I know, it's ridiculous. Let alone a weapon of any kind. So rather than face these really well-armed gunmen head-on, mm-hmm. John made a decision to escape and try to better assess his options. So he found his way into a stairwell. Oh. And sadly, in all the excitement, he had to leave so quickly he was unable to put his socks and shoes back on. So he was barefoot from this point on. But you couldn't really see that that officer instinct in him. Like, yeah. This instant, like, Grab the okay, gun, I need to, you know, uh, yeah. See uh, what we get, get a good assessment of the situation. Exactly, yep. exactly. That's a, a well-trained officer. Overhearing noise on an empty mechanical floor, John carefully opened the door and snuck up on some of the bad guys. Oh, jeez. He was watching them unpack the wooden crates that they'd dragged from the truck. Yeah. There were guns, rocket launchers, and explosives inside. Shit, that, imagine seeing that. I, you're Mr. McLean, and you're just like... Yeah. You're what, just, you're what just like, I'm, I've been pulling people over for, you know... Yeah, doing, traffic yeah, violations. Chasing maybe yeah. a, a kid for stealing from a store. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. I'm it, sure he had a, a lot well, more. Yeah, it was New York. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it had to but be. But still, to, to, to stumble across this. And remember, he's like, he, he's recognizing his wife is there. His yeah. wife is yeah. in the area that the mother the gun, of his children. Yeah, yeah, that the gunfire erupted from. Yeah. And so he's got to be thinking, oh my God, I wonder if she's okay. Yeah. And, and, then, and then you're seeing fucking rocket launchers. Mm-hmm. So two of these bad guys began to set explosives around the upper floors of the tower mm. as McLean headed back to the stairwell to a lower floor. Yeah. Gruber stepped to the front of the group and began his freedom fighter terrorist spiel. Oh, God. Meant to hide his true agenda, the heist. Mm-hmm. Due to the Nakatomi Corporation's legacy of greed around the globe, they're about to be taught a lesson in the use of power. You will be witnesses. Gruber then picked the vice chairman, Joseph Yashinobo Takagi, out of the crowd of revelers. Oh, so he knew, well, again, this is, he had yeah, to do some. Planning. He had to do some walking around the crowd and try yeah. and figure out who he was. With an armed escort and the hacker, Gruber dragged Takagi to, into the elevator and up to the executive office suite where the money is in mm. this vault. Mm. So... Again, he's done his homework. He knows where the money is. Yeah. No, as much as I loathe the man, he's done his work. I'm wondering who the insider is. It bothers me throughout this. Me too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. The more we talk about it, the more it bothers me. Because there's somebody who is free today. Yeah, who... who, uh, Essentially facilitated this. Exactly. Completely facilitated this. Knew that... He might not have known the violence that would ensue, but he, he or she knew yeah. effing people's lives up. So in the meantime, John McLean made his way up the stairs and ended up in the same suite as the vice chairman's office trying to figure out his next moves. Oh, wow. 
he didn't know the bad guys were coming until he yeah, heard yeah. the elevator doors open and he hid. Yeah. Sort of in an adjoining room with like a glass window so yeah, he could yeah, see yeah. and sort of hear what they were talking about. He thought it better that he do that because again, he's outgunned yeah. and he's he needs to figure out what he's dealing with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Theo the hacker set to work on Takagi's computer and Gruber asked Takagi for the passcode. Hans and Takagi were sitting facing each other at Takagi's desk yeah. and of course Gruber's got the power position sitting in Takagi's of seat. Of course, yeah. You know, what a dirtbag. Yeah. Takagi was confused at the request for the passcode. He, he was wondering are the these guys here for the computer? What are they really yeah. here for? Yeah, because he you know, he announced when he started shooting like yeah, this is about uh, mm -hmm. a power right. Gruber then owned up to Takagi that he was after the money, not computer access. Okay. And Takagi told Gruber that he didn't have the code anyway, that there were seven safeguards on the vault and the code was only the first step. Mm. At this point, Gruber took out his pistol, leveled it, and coldly fired a single shot at the unarmed man. The 9mm bullet tore through Takagi's head, killing the 41-year-old father of five instantly. Yeah, I remember the debate and dialogue surrounding that because you know there's a lot of people who hate corporate entities right. you know it's like oh who cares if it was it's just one of the, just taken down but the this man is a human, and stuff no well, he's a human yeah, being i know i'm on your side i just I, I was actually quite appalled by the debate of how anybody could like find pleasure in the fact that uh this individual was taken out because again family, and the way he was yeah. just like Boom. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not every CEO or or owner of a, of a corporation is a terrible person. And can you imagine John McClane watching from the other room, not able to do anything? Just trying to figure out what the hell is happening. Yeah. How serious is this? Yeah. Uh, should I be concerned about my wife? Shouldn't I? When you see that, you just know. So he scampered out a back stairwell oh, and yeah. up into a darkened mechanical floor where he pulled the fire alarm, yeah. hoping to alert the authorities. Smart. That's yeah. Just, that's a smart move, McLean. He would later beat himself up for being unable to help Takagi, but he has since come to terms with his choice not to take action. Yeah. I mean, he realizes he wouldn't have lived to tell the tale and the bad guys well, might have escaped. Yeah. And, you know, we all have the... Uh, we can all now think back and remember Hindsight's of the outcome yeah. and know how things turn out. But in, in that moment and, and soon afterwards, I can understand his emotion and, and, and the frustration with himself. Well, he'd be no help to his wife and her coworkers if he was dead anyway. No, it, it, the outcome could have been completely different. Yeah. Thanks to the alarm, though, the bad guys now knew that they had someone else in the building there. Mm -hmm. The security board alerted them to his location. Oh. You know how, I wasn't you know. Aware. Yeah. yeah. Well, I used to work security. Yeah, if, yeah. if an alarm goes off in a building. And you, you'll it, know where it was pulled? You would know exactly where it was. Oh my God. Yeah. I did not know this. So the bad guy at the security desk called 911 to report a false alarm. And another man was sent to check the floor that the alarm came from. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I often wondered why the... Uh, police didn't I, in my mind i thought well why didn't the police come but i guess they they will get into that yeah most likely the reason that only one man was sent to find the person who'd pulled the alarm was that the bad guys assumed it was an unarmed party guest yeah. who'd set off 
panicked. Set it off, and yeah, yeah, and not a New York City police officer with his (laughs) nine millimeter sidearm. Yeah, no, I totally make sense. Yeah, yeah. So Theo, the hacker, quickly cracked the password, which opened the first lock. Oh wow! And then he set about bypassing the next five locks, which required a sophisticated drilling rig. Oh, now it's making more sense for that Mm -hmm. truck. Yeah. Five-town truck. Exactly, all the crates. Yeah. Mysterious Theo was also a talented safe cracker as well as a hacker. So that's pretty interesting. He's a pretty talented individual. It's quite the skill set he's got. He was concerned about the final electronic lock, which he knew he couldn't crack. But Gruber had plans for that, though. Theo just had to get through the others as fast as he could. Oh, okay. Yeah. John McLean watched out of the window as the fire trucks approached the building and then turned around and left. Oh, sweet Jesus. Yeah. Because, you know, okay. they've been yeah. called off by the yeah. guy who yeah. calls 911. Well, and that's where I got tricked up because I, 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 I wasn't really aware or I forgot anyways that that call was made. But here's the thing. Mm. I know now yeah. that fire department policy is if an alarm is pulled, you show up and mm. go up to the site of the alarm to determine where that is. Now, that may not have been the policy for the Los Angeles Fire Department at the time. Maybe this is the event that actually precipitated that. You know, I'm going to say that it is quite probable. Yeah. It's quite probable because, yeah, I would imagine after the investigating done after the crime, like there's something like this would be something implemented in new uh, policies and procedures. Totally. Yeah, makes sense. So McLean, he was cursing the firemen when he heard the elevator doors open. He wants them to come on. Oh my God. Imagine you're him. You think here comes some salvation. Yep. And it's going away. Nope. As the elevator doors opened, he hid and got the jump on the gunman who was carrying an automatic Heckler & Koch mm-hmm. 9mm MP5 submachine gun Holy crap. and a heavy duffel bag over his shoulder. It just sounds terrifying. Yeah. So the two men fought. There was gunfire, but no one was hit. McLean and the bad guy ended up fighting at the top of a stairwell, and when they tumbled down the stairs, John McLean landed heavily on top of the other man, breaking his neck and killing him instantly. Oh, what an interesting death. Like, you know, when you've got two uh, strong individuals fighting yep. it out with uh, guns involved, you would think that oh, somebody's going to get shot. Nope. No. Nobody got mm-hmm. shot. But although there was gunfire, they're both trying yeah. to get at each other. Yeah. It, it, how composed is John McClane? Because this has just got to be like just the Well, most he terrifying. seemed to be in uh, what I, I've read. Yeah. Is, especially in his autobiography. Yeah. He seemed really terrified at the time. Yeah. But I guess that's where the difference between officers and reg- regular mortals like us. Or trained people. The, People the, who are just, you react yeah, in the moment. And, because that's what they, yeah. that's, that's the training yeah. is to go on autopilot mm-hmm. and follow the steps that you were trained. So McLean tried on the dead bad guy's shoes and they didn't fit. Oh, I forgot he didn't have shoes on. No. Well, this is the thing. He's oh, got man. no shoes on, but he picked up the man's submachine gun, radio and duffel bag. But those Ins- aren't shoes. You can't put those on your feet. No, but he's going to use the machine oh, gun. Oh, Okay. Inside the bag, as well as, Jesus, inside the bag, as well as multiple clips for the MP5, he found a Zippo lighter. Oh. That's going to come in handy at some point, At this point, it's like a video game. Just loot uh, (laughs) the body, take what might be useful. To taunt the remaining bad guys, John McClain used a red Sharpie he'd found to write on the dead man's sweatshirt. Oh my God. 
McLean sat the corpse in an office chair and put him in the elevator, like tying him into oh, the office my chair. God, yeah. He fitted a Santa hat on his head that he'd found on a decorative display nearby. Then he pushed the button to send the elevator back to the 30th floor where the party was. You've got, I did not know this. This is did this come yeah, from the, the autobiography? Yeah, there's a lot of crazy things in that. Holy shit. Hans Gruber <laughs> oh was, God. yeah. Hans Gruber was informing partygoers that Takagi was dead when the elevator doors opened. One of the women screamed when she saw the dead man seated inside. And as McLean watched from above through a grate in the roof of the elevator, Hans Gruber reads the message from John. It said, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Okay. Like, I know I shouldn't laugh because the people are dead, but... And that's like, that's pretty, that's what, I, that's, that's how, that's who I wish I could be. Right. You know? Yeah. I think everybody has, has a wish that they could I'd be, be that kind of, that, I'd be, have that sort of coolness about them. I'd be trying to extricate the feces from my underwear right around <laughs> this point. Not no, like coming I, up with I'd like. I'd be out the door. Yeah. You're not coming up with like, oh, ho, ho. See you later. Yeah. Oh boy. So Holly was smirking. Oh. She, she knew that it was her husband who was responsible for this. Holly's co-worker, Ellis Lowe, he'd been snorting coke all night and yeah. hitting on Holly before John's arrival. He was not as impressed. Ellis thought that John's antics would get them killed, and he was very vocal about it to Holly. So this Ellis guy. Yeah, so what about him? Who is this? Apparently he was um, one of the executives there uh, who... Because he's sounding like a douche. Oh, he was a, like apparently quite a douchebag so i bet you i'm gonna i'm gonna go on a limb here i bet you this is the kind of guy who got into his position by kissing ass i don't know but uh maybe we shouldn't be so hard on this guy i know i know but because uh, we'll see later on okay. what happens okay now gruber is livid that this one of his men is dead for sure and he speaks angrily in german with the other bad guys and john also was above them using his sharpie to count the number of bad guys on his arm. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he's writing down, like, so he crossed out one, obviously, because he'd already killed one. Yeah. But, uh... He's pretty much Rambo. Yeah. The dead man was dragged out of the elevator, and Gruber called for another bad guy named Carl, who happened to be the dead man's brother. Oh, man, that's not who you want coming and chasing. No. Yeah, so, uh, Carl had been upsetting the, uh, explosives on the other floors, and finds out his brother is dead. Holy jeez. Can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, I guess- So he's angry a, now. There's a part of you that's got to like, well, it kind of comes with the territory of the, of the work we do, but still. Yeah. That's going to that's gonna set you off. The uh, elevator that McLean was on top of went up as Carl came down in the second one. Oh, and okay. Carl, once he got down there and Gruber told him what was going on, he really wanted blood. Yeah, for sure. You yeah, know? that's what I'm saying. He wanted yeah. to go after McLean right away, but uh, Gruber had to, you know, tell him to- chill a little bit oh man uh, john mcclain made his way to the roof where he switched his radio to an emergency hailing frequency and called for help uh, again a reminder this man is in his bare feet i keep forgetting and he's running around like if you've ever been on the roof of a building i have it's not it's not linoleum no it's not it's not nice shag rug or anything it's usually quite rough and full of mm -hmm. glued stones yes exactly pebbles and stuff to keep so mm -hmm. there's good traction well there's a helipad up there so mm -hmm. there would okay. be that but yeah then there's metal and all kinds of and, i'm sure the guy was stubbing his toes yeah and also i mean i know it's la 
but it, it's Christmas Eve. It's, it, There's it, a chill. It to, it's going to be chilly. It's chilly. It's going to be chilly on your little tootsies. So transcriptions from the Radio Dispatch Center in L.A. paint a picture of a terrified and frustrated John McClain. Mm. And he said, Mayday, mayday, anyone. Terrorists have seized the Nakatomi building and are holding 30 or more hostages. I say again, unknown number of terrorists, six or more, armed with automatic weapons at Nakatomi, Century City. Somebody answer me, God damn it. That's frustration. Right yeah, yeah, but the dispatch supervisor answered John saying, attention whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. And McLean... That sounded kind of like an emergency call. Well, he cut off the dispatcher saying, no fucking shit, lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? <laughs> now, imagine, Mike, imagine that call coming out now. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it things would be treated far, totally. far differently. Yeah, and honestly, though, McLean wasn't maintaining proper radio protocol. No. He was no. cursing and swearing. Yes. And, you know... But he, you catch more flies with honey. He, he yeah, he just uh, he just killed somebody in a stairwell. True. Um, so he's amped up. Yeah, he's mm. he's watched another uh, guy get shot. Right. He's like he's, he's at this point the man just wants like. I'm sure that the reaction by the supervisor and the other dispatchers was taken into consideration in the inquest. Yeah, I would probably hope some so. things things had had to change. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it was a 700 to 800 page document. Yeah, I didn't yeah. really notice anything because there were other more story driven things that I really wanted to yeah. glean from that. Yeah, I, I did. I didn't notice any of that either when I didn't read it. <laughs> Right. In response, a single black and white LAPD cruiser was sent to investigate. <laughs> a single one. Yeah. All these heavily armed guys. Jesus, if only, uh, if only they knew. And it slowly made its way to Nakatomi Plaza. And the bad guys knew that the mystery man was on the roof to make the emergency call because they'd overheard him on their radio. Oh, that's right. Because he's using the same frequency. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Duh. Duh. Yeah. Carl was going to get his chance for revenge on the man who'd killed his brother. And we'll take a break right here. And we're back. So LAPD dispatchers assume McLean's call was a prank. Yeah. Well, Sad. It's, it, yeah. The police officer sent to investigate was Officer Al Powell. Oh, yeah. He'd been buying Twinkies at a nearby convenience store when he was contacted by dispatch to respond. Like, you think that's just a, a, a joke? You think that that's just cliche? But, and it, but he, he was literally, he was buying, literally Twinkies. buying Twinkies. Yeah. He'd lost his confidence and had been a desk jockey for a number of years on the police force mm. since accidentally shooting an innocent 13-year-old who had pointed a toy gun at him. Oh my God, so much, this, there's still so much relevance in this story to current times. Yeah. Like, wow. Well, Powell later intimated, quote, and I spoke to him about this. Okay. You know, when you're a rookie, they can teach you everything about being a cop, except how to live with a mistake. Hmm. Anyway, I couldn't bring myself to drop my gun on anybody again, end quote. Yeah. I, I can, this sounds like a man, a good man mm -hmm. who made a mistake and has a, a conscience. Well, can, Yeah. Can you imagine this, this poor guy today, yeah, shoot, too. you shoot a kid as a rookie and with social media, he would be shamed into. Yep, for sure. But here we are, like, here's a police officer who felt terrible yeah. about what, the mistake that he'd made. Yeah. 
You, you know, know, he repented for it by sitting behind a desk for yeah. any number of years. I mean, the man was in his 40s, so yeah, yeah. he had to have been a police officer. If he was a rookie, yeah. Quite some I mean, time, yeah. As Al headed for the tower, Carl and another couple of bad guys discovered John McClane at the roof. Well, and a gunfight ensues. Oh, God. And McLean escaped with cuts and bruises and found himself in an elevator shaft where in an effort to lower himself down to a uh, lower floor, he lost his MP5. Oh, shit. Yeah. And he nearly fell down the shaft. Holy shit. Yeah. He had to reach out and grab the bypassing opening, which was another duct. Fuck, you only see that kind of stuff in the movies. Jesus. Absolutely. And he climbed into this ductwork in the ceiling and used his Zippo lighter. For light. Oh, well, see? Yeah, so thank goodness that he'd found that Zippo. Always loot bodies. Yeah. And video games have taught me that. (laughs) And Carl, though, saw the glow of the lighter as he peered down into the unused elevator shaft. Hmm. He knew where this guy was, Hmm. so Hmm. Carl's angry, wants to kill John McClane, and he made his way back down to that lower floor to Hmm. dispatch his prey. And he began firing into the ductwork, almost <gasps> killing McLean. Holy shit. Some of the bullets came very close. Holy but shit. before he could find McLean, yeah. he was called back to the party by his boss, Hans. The boss calls, this has got to wait. I mean, where's John McLean going to go, really? Yeah, but the man just killed your brother. Like, I'm not trying to take the side of the terrorist here, but I mean, he did yeah. just kill you. you I would, if it was me, I'd, I'd be, you listening, Jimmy? If it was me... I would just be like, I don't care. I'm killing this man first. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think he's got, I mean, I, he knows who his boss is. Yeah, I guess so. He's, you know, he, I, I, he's able to separate mission from emotion. McLean made his way back to one of the empty floors with a boardroom where he looked out a window and saw Powell's LAPD black and white near mm. the entrance. I'd be thinking like, just uh, where can I nap at this point? Gosh. But Powell, however, was inside, being convinced by a fake security guard that everything was okay. Not noticing the bodies that must have been lying well, I'm somewhere. I'm sure they, they hid those. For sure, but yeah. it's just like there's something that's... There's, I get uneasy when thinking like that. Officers there just not knowing what might be around the They corner. might have been in the supply closet yeah, or something. Yeah, who knows? Just feet away and he's just... yeah. Two bad guys found McLean as he was pounding on the window trying to get the attention of Officer Powell who was radioing in that everything was just fine. McLean shot both of the men dead with his service weapon. Son of a bitch. Wow. Wow. You know, they've got MP5s, and he's able to take them both out with his uh, pistol. He loots the dead guys. That's what I'm talking about. Gets another MP5 and another duffel bag, but this one is full of military-grade C4 plastic explosives, detonators, and blasting caps. These guys came prepared. Right? Holy Christ. Rocket launchers and C4. The dead men's shoes are still too small for John McClane, even though they were much taller than him, which is is rather odd. You you hate to say it, but it's getting comical at this point. Yeah. This poor guy just get him some damn shoes. Exactly. In a desperate final attempt to get Powell's attention, John McClane shot out a window Mm. in the uh, boardroom where he was. Yeah. And threw one of the corpses of the dead men he'd just killed out. What? The body landed heavily on the hood of Powell's cruiser and broke the windshield. The man's head went right through the windshield. Are you shitting me? I am not. Seriously? Yeah. I don't remember hearing that at all. You would think that, wow. Yeah, so 
Al's crap in his pants. And, just, and good aim. Yeah. And at the exact same moment, one of the bad guys opened up on Powell's car from a lower floor mm. with an M60 heavy machine gun. What? Did, wh Armies aren't this well armed. Some. Wow. Powell, who was terrified and cursing, jammed his car yeah. into reverse as it was riddled with bullets. Wow. This right? poor guy. McLean recalled in his autobiography, yelling out the window to the cop, Welcome to the party, pal. I mean, this McLean's got balls of steel. I guess so. Like, my God. Like, he's even he even has his, like comedic wits about him yeah throughout all of this the cop car crashed over a concrete barrier oh. out of the line of fire and powell escaped without injury oh, thank goodness thank god i really i'm rooting for this guy and although he was shaken up yeah. powell stuck around waiting for the cavalry he oh, was calling real? like get me out of here but interestingly hmm. even with all the gunfire and all that kind of stuff going on argyle oh my god argyle. the limo yeah. driver heard yeah. nothing he was listening to really loud hippity hop music in the limo. Oh my god, I totally forgot about Argyle. The hippity hop. Yeah, the hippity hop, as the kids like to say. Mm -hmm. when, it's when he's not listening to the hippity hop, he likes to chill in his little white grip. It, it was the 80s after mm -hmm. the phone call. Yeah. The LAPD black and whites began to show up because mm. Powell had been screaming for backup. Mm -hmm. But news reporters who had been listening to their police scanners also heard of the events and started heading toward the towers. Oh, yeah, they need to show You know, the stringers, yeah. all those scumbags who yeah, hang around. Yeah. And like, yeah. Uh, you know, they, you, you've seen Nightcrawler. I have. And, loved uh, it. Yeah, yeah it's a really. fantastic movie, yeah. but that's a scary individual. Yeah. I'm sure they're not all like that. But, well, have uh, you watched that Netflix show? Yeah, some of them were like that. Yeah. <laughs> All of this is going according to Gruber's plan. Even the police oh, arriving off, was really? what he wanted. Yeah, for real. But that makes sense then why they're so well armed. Well, you'll see mm. why, why Gruber mm. wanted the police there in a bit. Mm. At this point, a conversation between Gruber and McLean took place over the radio. Gruber was trying to figure out who McLean was, and McLean was mm -hmm. being cagey. Mm -hmm. Here's a portion of the conversation that was recorded and later transcribed for the inquest into these events. Okay. I'll be Hans Gruber. Oh, okay. We got to, okay. I got to do some voice acting here. And <clears throat> Scott yeah. will be McLean. Damn right I am. You know my name. I don't know yours. Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo, Marshall Dillon. Uh, I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really liked those sequin shirts. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker! Wow. Yeah. Wow. Did you hear it? Did, did it, was it? did you think for a minute McLean was here? No, I did not. Oh, shit. Okay, no, I did not. I felt it. But he said, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Yeah. So that's where that came from. That, that, well, I'm sure he wasn't the, or, or like the uh, creator well, of I'm it. Well, I'm sure he's, but... yippee-ki-yay, I'm sure was not yeah, his, yeah. but I'm sure he added the motherfucker yeah. at the end. Because like, that's like, you hear people with that all the time. And typically when it's like a dangerous situation. So yeah, without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt. That's it is got... definitely from the Nakatomi incident. Yeah. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Yeah. Funny, hey? Yeah. Well, I'm probably, probably not to Hans in that moment. No. News reports began to get out about the story that was unfolding mm. at Nakatomi Plaza as How Powell not, and yeah. McLean were communicating over the radio. Well, and also gunfire. 
Yeah. And stuff right? like this. People, exactly. People have got to be like peering out their windows. Oh, what's going on? Exactly. Uh, McLean wouldn't give his name to the police, mm. but Powell began to think he may be a cop. Mm. Hans gleefully watched the TV news of his heist on a portable TV in Holly's empty office that he was using for his headquarters. Do you hear that? His portable TV. He didn't just pull out his iPhone. No, they had like a, a box TV that they, they pulled out and pulled up the antenna. With tubes and all. All of that yeah. kind of crap in it. Uh, Argyle overheard the news of the events between rap songs. Oh, okay. On the so radio. now he's starting to kind of... Uh, okay. So he clued in. Yeah. And he turned his CB slash police scanner on mm-hmm. in, the, in the vehicle and yeah. heard some of the chatter. Yeah. So realizing he might be in danger, he tried to leave, but couldn't get his car out of the parking garage. It was locked down by bad guys. What a emotional roller coaster for Argyle. Like right? for, I mean, imagine he starts the day off very nervous. Oh, I'm new, new first day yeah. on the job. Yeah. I hope I don't screw it up. I hope I, then he goes and he gets his first customer and he's like, this is going great. I'm really enjoying this. And then yeah. it's like, yeah, we're, I can, I'll just chill out in the back. What a sweet gig I have. Oh my God, I might die. I've got to run away. Exactly. The SWAT team arrived. And they began to make their way to the building on foot. Yeah. But they were seen by the hacker, Theo. Nerd. Uh, he was still working on the locks, but yeah. he was also monitoring the security cameras on his computer. Mm. The bad guys shot and badly injured the LAPD SWAT team members Whew. who were making their way to the building. These aren't the guys you want to piss off, SWAT, no. in my opinion. A LAPD SWAT tank was also blown up by rocket launchers at Han's orders. Holy shit, so they, he really was planned. Oh like my this, gosh, like he they re- were shooting out the spotlights and all that kind of my stuff God. that the police were shining on the building. Jesus yeah. Christ. Terrible. McLean decided now is the time he needs to use the C4 that he's found. Yeah. So he wired it to a chair inside a broken computer monitor. So one of those big CRT monitors. Yeah, yeah. And then he tossed the whole bomb yeah. down an elevator shaft. Okay. Luckily, the explosion took out the two guys with the rocket launcher, saving many lives in the process. Wow. You know what words I've never said? Time for me to use this C4 and detonators. Yeah, right. That's not, and it, I've never, that, that, and I hope won't ever. It's time for me to use these, the C4 and detonators. At this point, John McClane had single-handedly taken out five of the bad guys. Oh, wow. 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 And also, where's my rocket launcher? I've never said those words. <laughs> exactly. The ensuing explosion was so massive, it damaged those lower floors of the building extensively. Yeah, yeah. The LAPD's deputy chief of police berated McLean over the radio for his recklessness. I don't know. I kind of get both sides. If I'm that officer, I would, uh, if I'm the uh, chief of police, I would definitely be like, okay, like this dude's reckless. He might cause more injury and damage than anything else. But in the same vein, it's like- Isn't he your best hope? There's someone on the you, inside. You, you have a, you have at least one person on the inside. I can't imagine a stuffy uh, chief of police feeling that way. But yeah, if I if I'm like one of the one of the people uh, held hostage in there, I'm like, yeah, give us more McLean. Exactly. Send in more McLeans. So most likely not thinking straight from all the cocaine he'd been sniffing. Mm-hmm. Holly's coworker Ellis Lowe this guy gave Gruber John McLean's real name. No. And asked John to give Gruber back his detonators to no. save everybody. 
uh, Ellis was still trying to protect Holly's real identity as McLean's wife, but miscalculated his own worth. Just, yeah, this... Well, Gruber shot Ellis between the eyes and coldly threatened to shoot more hostages if McLean did not give over the detonators, and John again refused. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Ellis was a victim, and he didn't ask to be there, and he got killed. But, it was dumb to do what he did. But also, yeah, he was a dick. Yeah, true. So I'm, you know, yeah. I'm conflicted, Mike. Buying Theo more time to get to the last lock in the vault, mm. Gruber talked to police making demands for the release of political prisoners from around the world, as well as helicopters to get him and his men and the hostages to safety. As is protocol in a terrorist situation, the FBI was called. Two FBI agents named Johnson and Johnson soon arrived to take over the negotiations. For real, Johnson and Johnson. Yeah, that was their real names. Oh my God. Gruber then went to check on the status of the explosives himself near the roof, yeah. and for some reason left his own pistol behind near a stairwell. Oh, and that's not. That's not. No. You don't do that, Gruber. I don't know why he would do that. Yeah, he's getting overconfident, probably. Yeah. Then he ran into the bloody and bruised, barefoot, heavily armed John McLean. Oh, my God. So he had to think fast. Yeah. Gruber put on an American accent, claiming to be one of the hostages. Okay, tough call for John to... According to John McLean's later testimony at the inquest, yeah. McLean handed Gruber his Beretta. Gruber... Who Ooh. thought he'd fooled McLean? Yeah. Pointed the weapon at McLean and asked for the detonators back. Yeah. John refused, and Gruber attempted to shoot McLean, but found the gun was unloaded. John was now sure of who he was dealing with. It was McLean who'd fooled Gruber. Holy shit! As John was about to take control, Carl and two more of the bad guys arrived to back up Gruber. Holy shit, you just, you couldn't script this. Right. Like, holy shit. A gunfight ensues. Yeah. And submachine gun fire from John McClane and Gruber's thugs shattered glass all over the mechanical floor that they were oh, on. Oh God, I, I know where this is going. Two bad guys were shot and killed by yeah. McClane in the fracas. McLean, so that's seven now that he's killed. McLean later recalled overhearing Gruber ordering Carl to shoot out more of the glass around the floor. Yeah, that's smart. I mean, John knew this was to keep him pinned down yeah. in his bare feet. Yeah. But Gruber had underestimated the courage of this resourceful cop, and John ran for an exit through the glass when Gruber and Carl were ducking for cover. Oh, shit. That was tough. Yeah. I, this is who I, I wish I could be. Well, John made his way down to another floor where he spent time picking shards of glass, like huge shards of glass yeah. out of his bloody, awfully bloody feet. And he'd lost so much blood, he thought he was done for. Yeah. And wow. he was asking Powell over the radio to apologize to his wife for him, but still not yeah. not letting on that she was there at the party. Yeah. And, you know, I, I you wonder, like, how can it, the story even continue and stuff? But I guess adrenaline. Right. Like, you know, I broke my leg and I couldn't feel any pain until after the adrenaline wore off. Exactly. Often, so it, 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 it's a hell of a drug, that adrenaline. Yeah. John, sadly, had left the detonators behind because he was unable to retrieve that bag that he had. Yeah, he's just running to live. He couldn't get them because yeah. they're heavy fire, right? Yeah, he's just, he's just trying to live. Exactly. So Gruber and Carl found the detonators and made their way back to the vault where Theo and the last remaining thug were working. Theo was down to that last lock. Mm. It was an electromagnetic time lock. 
Oh, that sounds fancy. Right? The FBI, playing by their own rule book and thinking they were simply dealing with a terrorist event, cut the power to the plaza. Okay. Without power, the last electronic lock disengaged, opening the vault for Gruber and his men as they loaded up bags full of those bearer bonds worth $640 million. Holy shit, you would have thought they would have had a redundant backup Something power like that, source. But apparently not. Holy shit. The FBI then let Gruber know that the choppers were on their way, and in fact, they'd called for air support. Oh so, my God. Choppers full of armed people. Yeah. Hans was overheard saying, quote, they touch down, we blow the roof, they spend a month sifting through the rubble, and by the time they figure out what went wrong, we'll be sitting on a beach earning 20%, <laughs> end quote. Okay, I just kind of chuckled at that. What a dirtbag. Yeah. McLean made his way to the roof and found it wired to explode. Woo! He tried to let the police know, but was discovered by Carl before he could make sense of it. So here's, here comes Carl again oh, in the elevator. Man. And Carl and John fought. Yeah. Carl even got John McLean's Beretta away from him. And as John was running from him, John was shot in the shoulder. Oh my God. So I, he's now he's been shot. How can I not remember that he was shot? You would think that would be something that sticks in the holy yep, shit. As he went through a doorway yep. into a stairwell, he was shot in the right shoulder. Oh my God. Yep. Even wounded though, as the two men fought because mm. Carl chased him and John again got the jump on him. Yeah. John ended up stringing Carl up near a turbine via some chains. So he thought Carl was dead. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, I would. And Carl looked pretty much yeah. dead. Meanwhile, Gruber was rounding up hostages. Thanks to a nosy reporter's live feed from Holly Gennaro's home with her children. Oh no. Gruber found out that Holly was McLean's wife and singled her out of the crowd no. for insurance. Oh, what a dickhead. Oh, God. I'm <laughs> Like, this guy... So here's what this guy did to get into their home. Yeah. He threatened their maid with uh, immigration. Oh, you got to be kidding me. I'm not kidding. You know, especially in the 80s, you, there was, you'd hear a lot about those gotcha journalists. Yeah. You'd hear a lot about the, the tabloid journalists. This guy was and one stuff. of like those. He, he was a rat-faced-looking that. Turd. Oh, my yeah. God. There's another one, probably has one of those punch-me-faces. Totally, he does. The remaining hostages were ushered to the roof by a guard at gunpoint. Having done away with Carl, McLean went to the roof and shot the guard. He was thinking that his wife is going to be up there. But yep, yep. there's no Gruber. The other guys who were with him are missing. So it clicks in John's mind what the explosives are for. They're going to blow up the roof and the hostages with them and then make their real getaway. Yeah. So he orders all the hostages off the roof, okay. calling to let people know, like, something's going on here. Yep. He even had to fire his weapon to scare the hostages back into the stairwell. But the FBI was arriving with their helicopters and fired on John, thinking he was a bad guy. Oh, shit. Yeah, because he thought they, they thought that he was firing at them. So he's pinned down oh, by FBI yeah. firing out of their helicopters. So to escape, he had to tie a fire hose around his waist and swing down to a lower floor just as Gruber blows the explosives on the roof in a spectacular fashion. This later cost millions of dollars to repair. Yeah, no kidding. Two FBI helicopters were destroyed with all occupants inside perishing in the crash. Oh my God. 
A memorial was later placed nearby commemorating the heroism of the brave agents who died in the crash, including Johnson & Johnson, the two lead FBI negotiators. Yeah. Oh, my God. So a lot of collateral damage. Right? Here. Yeah. So here's John swinging from this fire hose outside the building, and he had to shoot out a window and crash through it to relative safety. I don't know about this one, though. This comes from his own testimony and his autobiography, yeah. but... It's been questioned by many and put to the test and debunked by Mythbusters as impossible. What, shooting out a window? Yeah, so shooting out a window and then going through it with your bare feet. Yeah. The Mythbusters actually did an entire episode on it. Really? This. And they couldn't, yeah. they couldn't replicate they it? They couldn't replicate it. But, you know, they, at the one thing that they were probably missing is, is adrenaline in that heat of the... Like, people can lift up cars. Lots of things can happen. You know, yeah. and so that, that's a component that you just can't... And when you know your life is actually yeah, on the line. So Mythbusters speculated that he had to have gotten down another way. But uh, as there is no security cameras on the roof or yeah. near the window, it's unknown for sure. But the fire hose was later found exactly where John said it would have been. I'm going to go with, I'm going to, I, I, just because I want to, I'm going to believe John McClain. In the parking garage, Argyle noticed an ambulance being driven out of the bad guy's truck yeah. by Theo, the hacker. So oh, Theo is yeah. in the truck again, and they had an ambulance in there the whole time. That's crazy. This was their actual means of escape. This was how they were really going to get shit. away. So blow so, yeah, up thus, the, the top, thus wanting all these bodies everywhere. Yeah. You can't determine who's who because of yeah. all that. And, and uh, if it's an authentic looking ambulance, yeah, they I just mean, drive, the drive away in an it? LA County ambulance. Oh my God. Isn't that amazing? That it was pretty resourceful. Yeah. Argyle though, heroically used a limo to crash into the ambulance and killed Theo. What a first day. Right? Jesus Christ. He later received a commendation from the city for his bravery. Yeah. And he got some cash from the Nakatomi Corporation. Oh, good. And it, that he was awarded that and it allowed him to open a steakhouse in Los Angeles. Well, son of a bitch, really? Right, so Argyle Steakhouse, that's that's his. Holy crap. Isn't that amazing? I had no idea. Yep. Wow. So next time I go to wow. LA, I'm going to drop in there. I yeah, really, I'd sure. love to meet Argyle and shake yeah, his do, hand. Yeah, do you think he'd be there? I oh, hope possibly. So. I, well, we can call ahead. Yeah. Luckily, McLean had landed on the same floor that the vault was on where oh. Gruber and Holly were. You got it. Thank get. goodness. Wow. And John snuck up on them. Gruber, though, once John announced himself, put his gun to Holly's head and ordered McLean to drop his weapon oh, or watch his wife get shot in the head. And we know this guy is like pretty oh, trigger yeah. happy. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, he's got no qualm about qualms about killing anybody. So, according to both John and Holly, mm -hmm. John dropped his MP5 and began to laugh. What? Which distracted Hans and the other bad guy that was there with him. Uh, it's distracting me. Yeah, that sounds like a crazy reaction. John then pulled out his Beretta that he'd taped behind his back oh, and used God. his last two bullets to shoot the last bad guy in the forehead and hit Gruber in the chest. My God. This is, he is just the most resourceful. He's an amazing Almost guy. Almost like, uh, like a real life MacGyver. Gruber stumbled backwards and crashed through the plate glass window. Somehow, yes. as he was falling, he managed to grab Holly's arm. Oh, shit. And he snagged her wristwatch, her, yeah, yeah. her Rolex yeah. wristwatch to hold on. Holy shit. John ran to Holly's side yeah. and released the clasp, allowing Gruber to fall the 30 floors 
to his death below. I, I bet you, and I'm I'm not saying this about John in a negative way, I bet you he got a lot of enjoyment just watching Hans drop down after oh. after seeing everything he saw for sure i'm sure like i know i would i, I would get a, a i would enjoy and get some satisfaction out of watching him plummet those 30 floors well can you imagine though the people outside um i no, know that the, i wouldn't I know be thinking that, that i know the, the deputy chief of police yeah. commented oh i hope that isn't a hostage well yeah i i'm i wouldn't if I was John, that's not the perspective I would be thinking of. I no. would just be thinking, you son of a bitch, you just tried to kill my wife, you caused all of this, yeah, yeah. my my feetses are all cut up. So, <laughs> John McLean and Holly made their way out of the building to safety, <sighs> and there they met Officer Powell. Oh. As John and Powell greeted each other, Carl, the last bad guy, emerged from the building with his oh. gun. Yeah. And he pointed it at John and Holly. Yeah. But before he could pull the trigger, Officer Powell reacted so quickly. Holy he shot shit. Carl dead with his revolver, having drawn his weapon for the first time since he'd accidentally killed the child when he was a rookie. Wow. What a juxtaposition in shootings. Right? Wow. Officer Powell, Officer Powell later received a promotion and a high commendation for his actions that Yeah, night. and I hope a Bentley or something like that. That's pretty yeah. amazing. The reporter who'd outed John and Holly callously using their children for ratings mm -hmm. was also at the scene at the time. Holly recognized the man and walked up to him, punched him in the face, and broke his nose. That's something... This, it, whatever they're drinking in that the McLean household, yeah. something's in that water, because that's... They're both pretty badass. The, this reporter actually had the chutzpah later on, the nuts, to sue Holly and requested a restraining order from the diminutive little woman. Fuck this guy. Right. Argyle and his limo somehow got free of the parking garage, and he kept his promise to drive John and Holly home. I thought he crashed it into the... Ambulance. It was, well, it, it, it was, was still, still drivable. Holy. Yeah. Let's give some praise to that limo too then. The inquest was expensive, but in the end, mm -hmm. John McClain was cleared of any wrongdoing and lauded as a hero by the city yeah. of Los Angeles. I remember that celebration. Yeah. He did go on to get into a few more similar scrapes. Mm -hmm. uh, one in particular was with Simon, who was the brother of Hans Gruber. Oh my God. I didn't... But you guys can look that up for yourself. Yeah. Wow. And that's the end of that story. What What a tale. Fuck yeah! I I really hope they make a movie about this someday because that's got you would everything. you would think it would make it a pretty excellent. It's movie. It's got everything you need in it, and it is. It happened on Christmas Eve, so I thought that's yeah. you know why we should. No, it's do a perfect. It's, we we need to get an away game in there, and this is as Christmassy as it can be because the day before Christmas, right? It's happening on on Christmas Eve. What a Christmas gift to uh, yeah to. Uh, John McClane to actually be able to drive off with his wife. They did later on end up getting divorced. Yeah. But, uh. Yeah. And I, I bet you, I bet you Christmas was just spent him soaking his bloody feet in yeah, water. Yeah. You would think that he would have been sent to the hospital. Yeah. And also, I'm. Because he was shot too, wasn't yes, he? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm also curious why, um, Argyle yeah. had to drive off because wouldn't the police want to have a conversation <laughs> with him? Yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, you would think the police would be like, "Okay, yeah. you've you've driven into." So we what need are your you statement. Yeah, we're gonna need your statement. Right. 
And how do they, how do they not know that he wasn't a, him and John McClane weren't the, the terrorists? Exactly. And they've got this six hundred million in the back of the limo. Exactly. Exactly. So, like I said, there was the inquest. All this came out at the inquest, and I'm uh, sure that uh, some of the police officers there got spankings afterward. Yippee ki yay, motherfucker! You bet they did. Yeah, you bet. Jesus Christ! So there you go. That's it for our Christmas episode. Let's move on to some voicemails. Ooh, We've God. got some really good ones. Oh, do we? This week. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Some some folks uh, uh, were kind enough to uh, send us some voicemails. There were so many actually. I had to really do some picking and choosing, and I'm saving some for the new year when we do our next episode. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Because who knows if a bunch of people are actually going to call yeah. over Christmas time? So yes, true. So some. Some I'm sure will end up being in a future episode. So yeah. don't be too disappointed if you haven't heard yours yet. So first up, uh, just so you know, we want to mention again that we have uh, a toll-free number that you can call. Yeah. It's one 327 5786 or 1-877-DARK-PTN. Ha ha ha, right? Dark yeah. Putin. Dark Putin or Dark Putin. Yeah, Dark Putin. Putin's pretty dark. Totes. But, uh, but yeah, so first up, we have Dave from Victoria, British oh, Columbia. Dave from Victoria. Yeah, let's hear Dave. Merry Christmas. I just wanted to say I love listening to your podcast. Big fan of Mike and the sidekick. Uh, Scout, I think it is. Uh, this is David from Victoria, BC, and I hope you guys keep it up and keep doing a great job. Thanks for uh, all the content. Scout. Yeah. That's from, a new one. Yeah, from Brian from Victoria. His name is David. Oh, well, was it now? <laughs> okay. Scout. And remember last week, last episode, we talked about the bee's knees and where that came from. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Well, our friend Amanda from St. Louis, who we met at CrimeCon. Yeah, she's great. Uh, she knows her bees. Oh my God. Like oh, oh really God. knows her bees. She actually does some scientific work with bees. Wow. So she voice sent us voicemail okay. to let us know. Where the phrase, the bee's oh knees my God. comes from. This is going to be educational. Yeah. Hey, Scott and Mike. Um, I just listened to your episode where you asked what the phrase, the bee's knees, is in reference to. And I, I thought I could help shed some light on that. Um, so bees collect pollen on their knees. Uh, and when they do, they get these little kind of knobby knees that are insanely cute. Usually the pollen is reflected of the color of the flower that they're on. So sometimes they're like pink little knees or like yellow knees or orange knees. So um, that's where that phrase comes from. Uh, I love your show. Um, super excited to see you guys in Orlando. And uh, yeah, this is Amanda from St. Louis. So, okay, cool. See ya. Thank you well, so much, Amanda. That, that's awesome. It was just, now we know the bees. First knees. off, it's just great to hear from Amanda. She's, yeah, she's, she's really, she's she sweetheart. was really yeah. awesome. And that, wow, I did not know any of that. And now it's beautiful. Yeah. Little, little bees knees. The bees knees. all over them. <laughs> little cute little bees knees. Oh my goodness. And next up we have a call from Saskatchewan. Oh. Uh, Yeah. 
Hey guys, my name is Alex. I'm from Saskatchewan. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that you guys are on a great podcast. All the content's presented in a very easily listenable way. Um, I, being from Saskatchewan, I do notice that you have a bit of a lack of true crime occurrences that have happened here. One notable one was a nurse who was found murdered by the riverbank in Saskatoon which is a 50-year-old case that still has been unsolved. I know you guys don't really dive into unsolved stuff, but uh might be a cool deep dive and maybe present some new information in the case. So keep rocking. Great job. Bye. Thank you so much. We know that we are lacking in Saskatchewanese <laughs> um, content, but we are trying to remedy that. We're We're trying to do more... more shows from different places. So, so Saskatchewan is definitely on the list in the new year. And the case that you're referencing to, I know very well, Mm. and I am interested in having one of the people who was accused perhaps of that crime on the show. Uh, people will Google it and a lot of people will know who I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's very interesting. So yes, we absolutely would like to cover that case at some point. It is on our list, 100%. So, wow. yes. Great You will call. hear more Saskatchewan content. Yes, and thank you. And last, uh, as far as voicemails go, is our friend Madison. Remember Madison from, from Ontario? Toronto? Yes. Yeah. Let's hear from Madison. Hi, Mike and Scott. It's Madison from Toronto, the one who did the dark routine drawing. I just wanted to thank you guys for giving me lots of jokes and fun and entertainment and spooky stories for yet another year. Uh, I just wanted to wish you a happy holiday season. Happy new year. Enjoy it. Lots of love. Bye. Thank you, Madison. Oh, Madison. So sweet. What a talented artist. Absolutely talented. From photography Mm -hmm. to uh, drawing and create uh, artist. Just she's a brilliant artist. So again, it's nice to hear from people who we know, and yeah. it's also nice to peer, hear from people who we don't know. Yeah, this was a hodgepodge. Give us a call, one eight seven seven three two seven five seven eight six, or again, one eight seven seven D A R K P T N. That's right. Wow. Well, I enjoyed those. Yeah. Huh. So now it's time for our Patreon shoutouts. Oh, is it? Is oh, it yeah. that time? Okay, let's do it. So first up, we have Pamela. From Vancouver. Interesting. I know a Pamela from Vancouver. <laughs> I do how many, too. How many could there be? There's probably a few. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same one though, because yeah, she didn't leave her last name, but that's fine. Okay. Well, if it's if it's you, Pam. Thank you, Pamela. Hi. <laughs> there you go. And next up we have Patty Willick. Okay. Yeah. Good old Patty Willick. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, you look at like my. Uh, oh, you don't. No, I don't no know where information she's from. from. No, she didn't leave any information. Oh, no, no Patty information. Yeah, uh, Patty is from, uh, I mean, of course, you're good. I know what you're thinking. Ireland. No, not everybody named Patty's from Ireland. Okay. No. Oh, is uh, her sister uh, Patty O'Lantern? Oh, my God. Or it could be he, Patty, because, you know, Patrick <laughs> is sometimes Patty. It could be. So let Or it's a they. So, Patty. Yes, Patty. Patty is from... Patty is, is from... from uh, no. 
No, oh. not. That's what I said. That's oh, what I'm saying. Okay, okay. You, you, that's where I knew your mind would go instantly to Ireland. Patio furniture. <laughs> no, that no, not at all. Patty is from Papua New Guinea. Oh, Papua New Guinea. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. What does she do in Papua New Guinea? Nice climate there. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a it's a wonderful climate, which makes her job more unusual. Okay. But she's a Zash Zamboni driver. There's hockey rinks in Papua New Guinea? Uh, I'm all, I have to guess. Yes. Or is she again unemployed? No. As, as many of our listeners are who have weird jobs in other... No, no, Patty's flourishing. Hmm. Um, I, I'm, there, there must be. I mean, they have hockey rinks in Saudi Arabia. so Not uh, many. But yet, some you know there's a Zamboni driver in Saudi Arabia, sure. so why not Papua New Guinea? She, he, Patty is... Um, you gotta be living, living the life. Living I mean, the life. you just go Zamboni and. Do they get paid it. well in in Papua? The Zamboni drivers get paid well. Yeah, they get good for great. her. Great, good for you, Patty. They get paid great. Good enough for her to be able to support us on Patreon. Yeah, and just yeah. and enjoy, you know, uh, Zamboni by day, beach by later day. <laughs> so next up, we have Buzz Buzz, aka Sarah Cowan from Vancouver. Oh wow! Another Vancouverite. Buzz Buzz. Buzz Buzz. Thanks, Sarah. Then we have Ellen Cooper from Harrietville in Australia. And I'm sure she's a nice lady. Yeah, bedwetter, nice maybe. Nice lady. Maybe a bedwetter. She may be a bedwetter. <laughs> Is she hanging in her water box, Scott? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Next up, Nadia Blythe. Yeah. Nadia Blythe. Mm-hmm. Yep, from um, Fort St. John. Oh, yeah. Here in BC. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah, does yeah. she do in Fort St. John? Um, build forts. Oh, she's a fort builder in the fort. For St. John's Ambulance. Wow, that is crazy. It really is that crazy. That is so meta. Like, yeah, my brain is actually yeah. starting to leak out. Yeah, yeah. There, there's there's a, it's an inception. Wow, you did just inception me pretty I, bad. I did. I did. So it's, um, it, it's really, that's the only place where you could be. A fort builder for St. John's. Wow. Yeah. Next up, we have Michael Davis. Good old Michael Davis. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, my, Michael doesn't like to talk specifically about where he's from because this is an alias. Okay. And I know this because Michael gave me a heads up. That, oh. Yeah. This is an alias. Uh, Michael is really a very famous actor. Okay, and where does he live? Well, I don't, I, I can't, it, it's somewhere. Or just, is it California? It's it's in that area. Is it yes. like sort of the lower end of California, not in San Francisco and yeah. not in San Diego, but kind of mushed I, in between, sort of, there's like two. There uh, may be a giant sign. And an L and an A. I'm not, uh, I cannot confirm okay, or deny gotcha. that. Uh, but I, What have we seen him in? I can give you a line from one of his movies. Okay. What's in the box? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks, Michael Davis. Yeah, AKA Mike Davis. Brad Pitt. Yep, yep. I blew up Mike, Mike. Shit. <laughs> son of a bitch. Roxanne Franklin yeah. from Yorkton, Saskatchewan. She doesn't have to turn on the red light, and neither do we, because she's helping us on the Patreon. 
It was, yeah, and I'm sure that's the first time she's ever heard that joke. So you're welcome, Roxanne. You're welcome. Yeah. And Helen Watson from Edinburgh, Scotland. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she likes it when I do the wee things about me grandmother. She probably gets a great kick out of it. Well, yeah, some so- people that are offended by me Scottish accent. Cowards, that's who. Yeah, I don't know, but I am partially... I do belong to that. The, you, I think your accent is, is, is stellar. Yeah, well, I didn't do a very good German accent in the show. Yeah, it was Russian. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, who cares? Yeah, it's, it's just the podcast. But thank you, Helen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Helen. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Jeffrey Kramer. Yeah. He came in at $50. Holy crap. Which is double our PM. Je- Jeffrey. Wow, thank you, Jeffrey. Wow. But he didn't leave any other info, so we still don't know where he's from. But oh. he did give us some donut money because he felt we deserved it. Double duty? No, he gave us donut money. He gave us another 50 bucks worth of do- donut money because I set up a $50 Patreon account. Yeah. I couldn't figure out how to set it to occur on the 15th. Anyway, the payments will start on January 1st. You seriously deserve it. Thanks for keeping me laughing and having trouble sleeping every week. In the meantime, here's a bit of poutine money or new toque money. That's what I would use it for, Jeffrey. Wow. I think Jeffrey is from one of the coolest places on the planet, a.k.a. Antarctica. Um, most likely. And Cause it, he thus may, the toque comment. Yeah, he may be working in that uh, um, outpost where the thing happened mm. Ooh, with Kurt Russell. No, he just gathers ice cores there. Oh, sure. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So thank wow. you, Jeffrey Kramer. Uh, thank you so much. That's really ridiculous. Thank it you. is amazing. Wow, Jeffrey. Irene Briand, who sent us donut money last week yeah. and didn't send us a message, uh, sent more donut money with a message well, this week. Well, you didn't have to send more money, but no. great. Thank you. So she said, hi, I didn't see this before, so here is some donut money for you, Mike, and Scott. And Carol and Joanne, but mostly Bibby and Violet. Oh. Love the podcast. Been listening since day one. Keep up the great work. And I thought that would be the perfect one to end on for. Oh, my God. That was perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. And she had like a little huggy face and 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 an emoji for the heart and then a Christmas tree. So thank you, Irene. I will tell my little girls. Oh, they'll be so pleased. That's so sweet, Irene. Thank you. So thank you so much to our patrons, past and present, for your pledges. We treat them like presents. They, yeah, yeah. Pleasant. We really appreciate your support of the show. Thank you to anybody who supported us with donut money. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to help support us, you can do, do so at patreon.com slash darkpoutine or for one-time support. You can send us donut money via PayPal at our email address, darkpoutinepodcast at gmail.com. If you don't already, it would mean a lot to us if you subscribe to the show. You can easily find us on iTunes, Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or wherever you get your on-demand audio. Wherever. 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 Check out our website, darkpoutine.com, for show notes and other cool stuff. I had some pictures last week of uh, the perpetrator and his family. Yeah, I saw some people website. sharing, and, yeah. and they weren't very pleased with what's No, his, with they weren't pleased with him. Yeah. yeah. So please give us a like on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Dark Poutine. Mm-hmm. Come on to the Yumber Yard. Join us there. Mm-hmm. We're uh, at about 6,100 members there Jeez. now. Most importantly, though, tell your friends about us. Word of mouth is a powerful thing. Until next year, 
yes, we'll be back in two weeks. Woo-hoo. We're taking a break for yeah. a week. We've deserved it. We do. And so have you. Yeah. We wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, or whatever holiday you choose to celebrate, you have a happy one. M- much love. Don't forget to be a good egg and not a bad apple. Bye-bye, everybody. Ho, ho, ho. So Christmassy. Thank you.